0: now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! (laughs) Yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Farzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's party? (laughs) I am the very model of a modern major general. I have information, vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the past historical. From Marathon to Waterloo, and Nordkabic Oracle. And we have in today, Steve Raza. He is the author of books that you may have heard of, like The Crosswind Saga and The Word Reclaimed. But today we are talking about his newest release, For Us Humans, which is a buddy cop alien story. ...that is Roth comedy, snarky voice, and is generally just a great idea waiting to happen. Welcome to the Very Serious Writing Show, everybody. We've had Steve on before, and he was an interesting guy. So I was like, hey, come back. Come be our friend once more. And that is what is taking place today. So, we're also going to talk about first person versus third person and the transition between the two. We're going to talk a little bit about culture creation. But generally, we're also going to talk about voice, about voice in stories and how you change it based on the type of story you're telling and the different tools that gives you, the different opportunities, and how to keep it consistent. That's what we're talking about today. So, hi everybody. I didn't say hi, I just kind of launched into my song. I mean, gotta do something different every once in a while, right?
1: human male is about 60% water. As far as we're that's a little extravagant. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope. Couldn't keep a straight face.
0: Hey Steve, how's it going? Good, how you doing? I'm doing real well. I'm doing real well. How's your day been going?
1: Uh, busy, but not too bad.
0: Yeah? You're still working at the library, right?
1: Yep, and we're kind of nearing the end of our massive uh, construction renovation project. So Nice. What have they been doing? Uh well, we're adding on, doubling the size of the building basically and then renovating everything that's already there. <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. Very nice. Well, hey man, I am you're you're a busy guy. Oh my gosh, the, uh, you you've got for us humans that just dropped. You've got yeah. is it I, I'm going to mess up the title. It's not the word endangered, is it? Yes. It is the word endangered. I thought that was one of the previous ones. You have the word endangered, and then there's a third one coming out, isn't
1: there? Uh, yeah, well, actually, the third one, uh, that may be later in the year. More towards November, December. That hasn't been finalized quite yet. But, yeah, that's with the uh, Takamo universe, it's called. It's a online strategy game that's being um, developed.
0: Oh okay, yeah. I was talking with uh, Joshua Johnson just the other day, and he was like, "Man, Steve Raza is, is kicking it out."
1: <laughs> I've been busy, yeah, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> you've you've been a busy guy. And this morning, I downloaded uh, the beginning of For Us Humans, and I I was so excited. Last time you were on the show, when you when you talked about it, um, just the idea of this this funny sci-fi flick, uh, this this kind of a, a fun cop story, but for those, those following along at home, just, hit me, hit me with the premise.
1: Uh, well, the premise is that it's a world set in modern times, very much like ours. The only difference is that instead of the big September 11th attacks and the resulting political climber from that, that everybody's familiar with, um, aliens showed up somewhere earlier than that. <laughs> And so it's it's kind of like um, a twist on the Federation a little bit from Star Trek, except we're the lesser technologically advanced species that they go and visit. Yeah, and so the whole idea is they show up here and our planet is at just the right spot where they need to put their transit system, wormhole, whatever you want to call it. And so they kind of co-opt Earth into their uh, government or whatever you want to call it. I feel like your prologue
0: sums up, like, everything just beautifully. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was in keeping with the with, – I didn't have that in the book originally, uh, you know, the original draft. And I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to summarize this a little bit, how would Kaz summarize it? And I said, okay, well, we'll just have to write it like he's the one who wrote it. And that's kind of what came out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Humans, are we in the lo- alone in the universe? Aliens, nope, we're here. Oh, what do you want? Your planet sticks at the crux of folding space-time that we need for warp travel. That's important. We'll yep. so never <laughs> bow down to you, alien overlords.
1: Yeah, we're not interested in military. Co- I mean, it's just so snarky. And, and well, that's kind of how he is. And you know, a little bit of that too was when I'd first come up with the idea. I wanted to do something alien invasion related, and I thought or well, I said, well, what always happens? You know, the aliens either show up in a big way or they show up covertly. But their mm-hmm. goal is always the same. They want to take over Earth and, you know, battles erupt and things like that. And I just thought to myself, that seems like an awful lot of waste of energy and time that they're spending, you know, <laughs> e- even if they've got warp drive or something like that, it takes them a little while to get here. Yeah. You'd think they wouldn't want to come all this way just to do that. I said, well, maybe I started thinking, well, what's the big thing on Earth besides wars? It's money. <laughs> So I would think it made a lot more my whole premise was it made more sense for them to just show up and as it says in the prologue, buy everybody out. <laughs> then, you know, that's it.
0: It's it's so beautiful. It really is. And like I said, I've been excited for this book ever since you told me about it uh, last year. And the voice of, of this character is so different from the narrative the narrative voice in crosswinds, um, for instance. Yeah. How, how did you how'd you go about developing the voice? Was it fun? It feels like it was so much fun.
1: It, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, it, this was kind of a side project for many years. I think I came up with the idea about four years ago, roughly. And so while I was working on things like Crosswind and Sandstorm and Quantum Mortis, this was always kind of in the background, getting a little bit of work done here and there um, until I finally finished up. And with the voice, I I really was just kind of thinking of this kind of, smarmy, sarcastic. borderline, well, no, I guess you could say he is right about xenophobic with the xeno being aliens rather than people from another country. And and so then when I was writing it, I tried to kind of keep that in mind of what he would be thinking. Some of it was me trying to figure out how I would think in a situation, but then I just kind of took it a few steps further.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like
1: oh, I wouldn't think that. And then, well, what if you did? What would it sound like? It's like, oh, well, it'd probably be something obnoxious like this. So, <laughs> you know.
0: and, and his voice is almost borderline obnoxious, but it's really, really entertaining.
1: Well, um, good. I'm mean, glad it's not all the way obnoxious because if it was all the way obnoxious, that'd be a bad thing. <laughs> it's not
0: obnoxious. Like reading, it's not obnoxious, but like if he existed in real in real life, you probably wouldn't want to hang out with him.
1: Like all Probably the time. not too much, no. Well, he doesn't have many friends in the book either, so (laughs) there is a reason for why he doesn't have that many friends.
0: (laughs) I was working on on my comedy, and I have a very specific voice in that too, but I've had trouble keeping it consistent, uh, keeping the voice constant throughout the various chapters. Did you have Mm -hmm. any problems with that, or was it pretty easy to kind of find it and stick it?
1: Sometime, well, when I, you know, like I said, this was a side project, so there were times when a few months went by and I didn't work on it at all. So at those points, I had to skim back through a chapter or maybe just jump in somewhere else in the book and say, "Okay, what what was he doing? What is this like? Just to kind of remind myself. And yet other times I could be somewhere else working on something else and have an idea for the story. And I would write it down in my notebook or something and it fit pretty well. It just required a little bit of tweaking to to mesh with his overall tone, I guess you could say
0: that makes sense and your other style it is different to the books that you've written beforehand was it fun to kind of take this departure and this, it, this it side street yeah because
1: I mean you know the Stark brothers they were fun and so there was opportunities for them to be kind of picking on each other you know and the word, the word uh, Face of the Deep series those books are a lot more serious hang on one second
0: <laughs> remember everybody This is the very serious writing show.
1: Sorry about that. Just had to mute the (laughs) rigger. That's fine, man. It's all good. Um, Anyway, so this for me was kind of like my side opportunity when I felt kind of snarky and I wanted to put stuff into the background um, and I didn't have anywhere else to put it into. Then I just kind of siphoned it into this story. It was really a good way to kind of channel some of that snarkiness out of projects where it didn't really belong.
0: <laughs> I guess that makes sense, yeah. So character development, was it? did they just come, or did you do much prep work with, with, with it being a side project? Much outlining?
1: Um, so yeah, um, I did some outlining for it. I knew where I wanted things to go in the ending, roughly. I didn't know exactly how I wanted the ending to go, so that was the fun part yeah. of that. Um, it was a lot looser outline than I usually do. Some of the portions in the beginning when it's getting set up were a lot more specific.
0: H- how have you found... Again, I keep going back to the pro style. I don't want to hark on that. But no, it's, just, it's, a, it, it's just so neat. And did you find yourself having to go back and edit it often? Or did it just really flow well compared to your normal pros? Um, um,
1: what did it do for you? I Well, the interesting part was that While this was a side project, so was the Bloodheart. Okay. So, And that one's from a first person perspective that's present tense. So, you know, Bowen talking to you is all like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Whereas Kaz is telling you what happened in the past, but it's still first person. So I was kind of doing those at the same time periodically. And uh, (laughs) it was kind of interesting. They didn't really go together. But it got me thinking more and more about how to do the first-person style because I, I had done it on some short things before, and I actually had, um, well, Carrie Needs who does the, um, a star curiously singing in the rest of his series, Dark Trench oh, yeah. song. Go. Yeah. I knew I'd remember this name there. <laughs> anyway, I had written some stuff in first person, and he had kind of given me some encouragement in that regard because you know his series is from a first-person. Perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so I kind of ran with it. And I think it helped me. It helped me think about more what a character was doing internally when it came to writing third person. Does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Having the experience of thinking about it only as the first person voice. Then when I went back to a third person project and had, you know, like for the uh, word endangered, the main character's name is Zarko. So when I was writing him, it felt easier to think about what he was thinking, even though I was kind of looking from the outside in, I guess you could say.
0: Okay. Okay. So it gives you a little bit more introspection. Why, why did mm-hmm. you choose uh, the first person for this project? Were you just trying it out or?
1: I was just trying it out. And as soon as I, I really, as soon as I came up with Kaz's voice and started writing, it, I'm like, okay, I've got to let him do the talking. I can't, I can't switch back and just have his quotes and stuff, I have to have his internal monologue go with the things he actually says to other people. Because his internal monologue is not like what he says to other people sometimes. You know, it's the whole, it's the whole thing of, he could be talking to somebody and say, oh yeah, we'll go ahead and check that out, and I tell you like, yeah right, uh, no no way, I'm not even gonna <laughs> touch that.
0: Yeah, it's worth so going that, inside that was, the mind sometimes. Yeah. So you you put out For Us Humans, how long has it been out?
1: Oh, just, just a, only a few weeks, I think.
0: Only a few weeks, how's it been doing? Just curious. Been doing pretty
1: well. Yeah? Uh, wait to see if any reviews start coming in. So uh, that's always the kicker.
0: Yeah, for sure. How important do the reviews end up being in Amazon? Does it help with like how it ranks things or?
1: Just... As I understand it, it helps with the visibility and the ranking of the product. Um, there's a certain threshold where it bumps you up onto—I don't want to say reader lists, but a little bit more visibility, I guess you could say. I don't remember what that threshold is, but um, basically, the more reviews you have, the better.
0: Okay. How right. long is it? How many how many pages is this one?
1: I'm on the page. I'm scrolling through. Three hundred sixty, I think, something like that. Three fifty.
0: Nice.
1: So it's a long shorter, there, so Not a hundred pages shorter than my usual. <laughs> You tend to write long? I, well, it depends on the project. Like, the Bloodheart and this turned out to be about the same length, but the Bloodheart I was intentionally aiming for shorter. This one I wasn't really aiming for anything. Uh, And the Bloodheart actually is, I'm not sure how much shorter than this, but a little bit. Um, With the word endangered and stuff like that, I tend toward bigger just because there's more characters and it's a broader scope of things going on. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, whereas this is Kaz and Nil and their kind of crazy road trip. You know, the word endangered is going from planet to planet in different parts of the galaxy, and there's, yeah, that kind of stuff.
0: I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have
1: part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you
0: have? You don't get to ask questions. What percentage?
1: I don't
0: know. 12%. I'm only going to say this once. We should all include Stan Lee cameos in everything we produce. We should turn this from being a Marvel Inside Joke into a cultural icon. Every one of our stories should include a cameo featuring Stan Lee. We to write Stan Lee into varying parts of our books and stories. The benefits outweigh any potential cost to doing this. It will... It will solidify our stories as a piece of 21st century, but more than that, of 2010 uh, literature and generations from now. Like in 2100, there will be college students who will study this time period in American literature or in world literature. I mean, some of you are listening from other parts of the world, right? I see you Canadians. You know what's up. And like, they'll be like, in this time period, everyone added the great god Stan Lee, whom they all worshipped collectively. And people, to varying degrees, tried to discern why Stan Lee was in all our stories, but they will have forgotten the real reasons. They won't know. It will be our inside joke on the generation a millennia from now. So unite with me. Let's make this happen. Bring on the Stanley cameos. Twelve <laughs> percent?
1: That's a fake laugh.
0: It's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life. So how'd you how how'd you make a plot to match the tone that Kaz has?
1: Well, the plot I tried to The plot actually was inspired by reading a book, um, Now I'm gonna think of the title here, it's called Priceless, and it was written by the guy who heads up the FBI's art crime team, because they actually have their own art crime division with a few agents in it. And I just read about it because I didn't realize there was such a unit, and he talked about his interest in recovering artwork and things like that, and I thought, wow, that's really, that's really fun. And I had had the idea about doing something with the aliens and more personal with the aliens, but I didn't know what to have them do. Mm-hmm. You know? So then I was like, okay, well, we can have this human character be interested in this. Well, how do we get the aliens into it? And I thought, well, if whatever's stolen is alien, then that would work quite nicely. And then you can develop the whole kind of buddy. Well, he's not a, Kaz isn't a cop, but, you know, the whole buddy cop thing. So.
0: Yeah, cuz I mean, he's 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 him. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's his, his narky self and he's a little xenophobic and then he has to work with an alien, which is yep. Which it it feels pretty familiar in terms of like you have you have films where they mismatch oh, personalities yeah. together. Like,
1: oh yeah, they like,
0: like Miss congeniality too for instance kind of does oh. that. Um yep. but this takes it to a whole new level and it's it's a really fun sort of spin on on that idea did you get to work with the alien culture a lot in terms of how he, how the interactions happened or?
1: Well, yeah. And you know, I, I, that's one of the things about the, I, yeah, I kind of came up with the idea of having the aliens be armed. So then okay. I was thinking, well, you know, then you develop how they interact with people, what motions they make with their hands. The next big thing is that when I drew them, I kind of drew the face. You can see he's got like a really big nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole thing, like I said in the back cover about his sense of smell, smell plays a bigger aspect in their culture than sight does. So a lot of things that we say, like, I see what you're saying, or, you know, things like that, they would say, like, I smell, <laughs> smell what you're getting at. <laughs> like, wait, what are you talking about? So the little things like that, and that was, that was fun to remember to keep consistent throughout it, was trying to remind myself, no, he's not going to say that this plan sounds stupid. He's going to say this plan smells bad. I think we're okay. being in trouble. So, so that was—I had a lot of fun with that.
0: Well, I'm excited to get to read the whole thing. I'm yeah. I'm just excited that this project exists, Steve. I, <laughs> I just—I just am happy that this book exists. Good. But it's not the only book you're putting out this year. You've got the Word Endangered coming out. By the way, really yeah. cool cover on that. The World Endangered. That cover is on fleek.
1: Yeah, I, I jumped the gun a little bit on releasing that one, but now it went around in the Enclave newsletter, so I think we're good, <laughs> we're good to go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kirk, Kirk uh, DuPonts again outdid himself. He did the cover for, for us humans and the Blood Heart. He did that for um, uh, The Word Endangered, and hopefully we may be getting some new covers for the other books as well. Oh, yeah? So we'll see.
0: Okay, now is this is is book three, In the Face of the Deep. Yeah, and
1: it's interesting because, you know, when I did the first two, they were one book originally, and we split them up into two because the length would just be too big for one volume. And then when I wrote the next book after that, Broken Sight, chronologically it was right after that one, but it never really sort of fit into, like, the Face of the Deep because Baden and his there they weren't the main characters it was kind of a side adventure in the same universe okay. um, dealing with the after-effects of the face of the deep book this book is a direct sequel to the word uh, reclaimed and the word unleashed
0: okay so being the third book in the series is this a, a trilogy capper or is this another installment
1: I well I wrote it as another installment I really hope it doesn't end there because the ending definitely does not um, it leaves you wanting more I think (laughs) it's not exactly a cliffhanger because I got some flack for cliffhanger stuff before but it also leaves some um, foreshadowing and you know some very blunt Uh oh we still got to deal with this kind of thing do
0: the readers really come after you if you cliffhanger them
1: well, it- you know, I've got some readers who uh, gave me a hard time about the cliffhanger thing between the word reclaim and the word unleash, but they also really liked both of the books. So I'm guessing it's not that big a deal sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I know. it. A lot of times if I get into a series, I'll buy the whole series up front or I make sure the library has all the books in it. Because when the authors do that, it's just like, <gasps> <gasps> for
1: real? It's really mean. And I would apologize, but it's also a lot of fun to do, so I can't really say great.
0: What is it that that gives that lovely drive? That just like we can
1: do this. I can mess with yeah. these people this way. Exactly. As long as they, as long as I still want to get your book, it's okay. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. So you, this is the third book chronologically, but you had the other one. I know this is kind of a, it's kind of a sidetrack, oh. but you, you're a superhero guy. You like you like the superhero oh, yeah. thing. Oh yeah. And Marvel's kind of changed the whole movie game with its interconnected universe mm-hmm. stuff. Do you think the same thing will become applicable to books?
1: Do you, to the same extent, or is it harder, or how's that? Well, I think. You mean in terms of how series connect to each other, sort of?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I know it's possible to like connect books, but does do they have the same draw as like? oh, well, I saw the Avengers, I guess I need to go see Ant-Man. Do I, your readers tend to flow from one to the other pretty well?
1: I don't know. Speaking personally, I mean, I always liked the Star Wars Expanded Universe stuff. I was really a fan of that, and it was always interesting. I know that a lot of people gave different authors flack about, oh, well, you didn't do this character right, or you didn't do this character the way it should be. But I kind of liked reading how they, would, they all had their different spin on the mm-hmm. same... Characters, you know, and their universes are all world very different connected like um, there would be characters in Timothy Zahn's book that he that he made up for the series and it would show up in somebody else's book because that was now part of the expanded universe like Mara Jade and people like that, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I just I just here recently as a kid. I didn't read the expanded series, but I just picked up Timothy Zahn's uh, oh. his his Thrawn
1: trilogy. Yes classic it's awesome. It
0: is so awesome like I enjoy that better than the new
1: movie. I don't know I'm in this like yeah, inf- I, that's well that's yeah that's another <laughs> kind of wish they'd made that into the movie but you know they're all too old is the problem. they're all too old that's the problem
0: They should have they should have hired Timothy Zan for the screenplays and they should have just made those oh yeah instead of making the prequels <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: that would have been so good yeah would have oh, really good okay so uh, this 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 third book the, the word endangered um, how did this happen for you
1: Talk well to me about it. Um, I had you know a while back Jeff Gerke, the founder of martial Lord press had sold the company to Steve Lobby who's a longtime uh, literary agent in Christian mm-hmm. fiction and uh, he renamed it enclave Uh, Retooled how some things were done but kept the same vision that Jeff had of doing Christian Speculative Fiction and He had been talking with me. He had really enjoyed Those sci-fi books of mine, and he hoped that eventually I would do some more for him I said I'd certainly be glad to do that and at some point or another I just started fiddling around with ideas for how I was going to continue along with it or how I would reinsert myself into the universe after being gone from it for several years um, so what I wound up doing was I came up with a general plot line, started outlining what I wanted to happen, and I got along about a hundred pages or so in and got to kind of a pausing point and thought to myself, well, you know, if I'm gonna do this any further, I'd really like to get his take on it. And so I sent it off to him and said, Hey, you know, this is where I'm at, this is what I want to happen. Are you in- excuse me, are you interested in doing more? And he came back, sure, yeah, I'd be interested in doing more on that. And so we came up with a general timeline of when he would want me to be finished with a manuscript and submit it to him and such, and it all just kind of snowballed from there.
0: Is Enclave pretty good about letting you kind of play around with what ideas you want to do? And how, how are they to work with in terms of, like, the visualization and that type well, of thing?
1: Well, I think, really, it's, um, it's more of... You, uh, from my experience, anyway, it's you tell them an idea, or you submit um, your outline or your section or whatever you've got to them, and you know, if Steve likes the idea; he's pretty much going to run with it. Um, is what it comes out to.
0: That's really a good. That's a good publishing situation you got there with Enclave. I mean, that's it's that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it is nice. It works nicely, um, and you know. Getting around on the internet with all the other authors is really fun um, because there's several of us who've been there for a long time. There's a bunch of new authors who are doing well, and so we all kind of work as a pretty well-oiled support team, I think.
0: It's it's <laughs> cool. It's I love I love the Enclave people. So when is when is this new one coming out? The uh the word endangered. When's it hitting?
1: The date is July. Okay. Don't have a. I don't think we have an actual date date, but it is uh, scheduled for their summer releases in July.
0: So you come out with a book in the spring, you're hitting us with one July, and then you're doing this interactive game thing.
1: Yeah, uh, the Takamo universe, um, I was never familiar with it, but I kind of linked up with one of their guys through his knowledge of Jeff and a couple other people. And I had, and I may have mentioned it on the previous show we did, I've been writing mm-hmm. some short fiction for them over the past year um, because they were kind of fleshing out their game universe and needed background pieces so you know like quote-unquote encyclopedia articles about different planets or short fiction to kind of give a little more background and depth to the cultures that were around and so i was doing some short stuff for them and enjoying that and um one of the guys the guy who's kind of heading it up said you know well would you be interested in doing a novel for it because we're gonna to try to do some stuff to further flesh out the background and he gave me a time period and a really really long detailed outline which was beautiful because that kind of freed me up just to follow the outline and write yeah so, because you know this game had been around um, as a play by mail game I think as far back as the 80s and then mm-hmm. was turned into an email game um, so they have had story and background for it for many years
0: wow so so what you've written here is like a legit novel then is what you're saying yeah it's based on
1: it's it's based on an outline that's kind of the distant past to the game universe because the game universe starts off at a very set year and time after kind of a galactic cataclysm and my book takes place a couple millennia before that um, leading into some of the historical kicking off points, I guess you could say.
0: So you're contributing to the lore of something that's been around for a long
1: while. That's gotta be kind of fun. It is fun. Um, there are several people who are doing that too and it was just neat to, I mean, some of these things that I did, I got, just got to make up stuff wholesale because there was very little and other stuff there was specific guidelines and information and you can kind of build onto them. So it was fun both ways.
0: Yeah. That is way cool. How how do you find time to write all the things? Because you're Um, like, you're, you're a full-time librarian, right? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I write really fast. (laughs) That's the best way I can explain it. Okay. Yeah. Cause you, uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I have, I take advantage of my breaks at work and I take advantage of morning hours before I have to go in there and sometimes evening hours and sometimes road trips when my wife is kind enough to drive. So, anytime I can squeeze it in, it helps. That's commitment, man. That's a lot of commitment.
0: That's, that's really cool. Well, hey, um, <laughs> would you, not to put you on the spot, would you be interested in doing a giveaway of for us humans or I mean, yeah, the word in danger is not coming out till July. Would you be interested in doing like an ebook giveaway or?
1: Well, I do have a giveaway scheduled for Goodreads coming up in May. for oh, okay. That's humans.
0: Okay, so we can get people in on the Goodreads giveaway. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do they get involved with that? What do they do?
1: I will have more news about that coming up on my website because, like I say, I'm probably going to start it in May. Um, I need to check the specific times on that. I'm hoping I can wind things up on June 16th, which would be the date of the infamous alien showing up. Um, and i do have the giveaway going on right now for the freebies (laughs) related to the book oh those
0: are so cool those are so cool
1: yep and i've got a link right there on the homepage. so anybody who wants to enter into that can just stop by and put their name and their email in and we'll have the drawing uh first of the month
0: all right and it's steve steve raza.com s-t-e-v-e-r-z-a-s-a yep you got it your last name is just too cool. I
1: don't know, it's pretty fun.
0: It's it's pretty fun. It's it's fun stuff, Steve. Well, hey, what were what you looking at in the future? You got any projects
1: coming up? What's what's next? Oh, golly, yes. I've always got projects. I've always got a project, so it's never really a question.
0: I think the last um, time we talked, you were you mentioned that the superhero book that
1: you were writing. That's yeah, still happening? That one I went through another round of editing on that, so I'm going back now and kind of inputting changes as I'm working on other stuff. And I've got another sci-fi one that I'm kind of aiming a little more mainstream. That um, is more near future, I guess you could say. Okay. Well, very, so very hopefully, cool. we have some more news on that one soonish.
0: That'll be good. And people can hear this news on your newsletter because that'd be a really effective way to, yep. to get all that.
1: And um, I also have I also have partial starts to sequels to the Blood Heart and For Us Humans. Oh really? For us humans yep. is getting more. It's going. Uh, oh. Hopefully so. I really, really hope so. He's going to go to Italy at the beginning of it, so that'll be fun.
0: That will be fun. Oh my gosh! I can't wait to get deeper into the story. Anyway, Steve, thanks so much for being in. I really appreciate yeah, you right. taking time out of your day to talk with me, and and good luck with with the continued marketing on For Us Humans, and with the giveaway, and uh, the word Endangered coming out
1: in July. All right.
0: Hey, thanks again, man, and you have a Thank great you. day.
1: Yep, you too. Take care.
0: Bye. Hi, it's almost summer. Summer means time. It gives a man time to ponder things. I've got three weeks left, and when I get there, I will have time to do things. It gives a man time to think about writing. It gives me time. I can I can work on my draft for the dystopian comedy. And I can come into this podcast. I can do things in this podcast that I haven't thought of doing before. It's going to be a special time. Ladies and gentlemen, it will be very special. I'm looking forward to that. I just got three weeks left. Three weeks till freedom. Three weeks. There'll be so much time to read over summer. What are you guys reading over summer? Do you have like summer reading goals? Do you all do, you all do that? I... Don't have any specific goals, um, I did just finish *Enter Shadow, and I'm about to start Shadow of the Hegemont, so, super excited about that. Got a bunch of random books sitting on here, I've got this book on Hell's Angels that I'm gonna read, from some gonzo journalist, it's really whack. Still got Writing Down to the Bone, which is that really zen piece, it's pretty cool. And, like, I found essays by Orson Scott Card on writing sci-fi, specifically, like, on writing sci-fi. And I'm so excited! As soon as I get through some of those, I'll I'll share with you all some of the uh, some of the details out of that because it's just way cool. Anyway, th- thank you, Steve Raza, for being on the show because that's super cool of you. You can find Steve Raza in various places. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Google. No, not Google. Goodreads. Goodreads is a very different thing than Google. And you can find the show on iTunes and SoundCloud. And yeah, just let me know what y'all are reading. Where are y'all summer plans? And oh, those uh, those names that you sent me, I looked up email addresses for the people you want me to invite, and I'll be inviting them this week. So um, if you have any more names, ship me ship me names. I'll make it happen for y'all. So we're gonna do we're gonna do that. It's gonna be good. We're getting her done. You all enjoy the rest of your Monday. I think that about does it for me. I'm going to go to bed. I will see you all again soon. Catch you later. Bye.